0: if you forgot why you came in this room or you're hypersensitive to touch, then put on your seamless socks and come join our little flock. Bitches stimming together, we're weirds of a feather. Weirds of a feather. Hello. I'm your host, Grace. And I'm your host, Kristen. Welcome to Weirds of a Feather, an ADHD-adjacent
1: podcast. We're calling ourselves an ADHD-adjacent podcast because A, imposter syndrome, that old chestnut, and two, although this is a podcast by ADHDers for ADHDers, both diagnosed and suspected, and we will be discussing how ADHD manifests in our lives and referencing research from time to time, We do not want to be confused for an educational ADHD resource, and we do not claim to be certified ADHD experts, educators, or coaches in any
0: capacity. Our knowledge about ADHD comes from legitimate sources and research. We both have had to take more than enough research classes to know the importance of a good peer-reviewed article. So this isn't to say we're making it up or not doing our due diligence to educate ourselves on ADHD. We just aren't here to educate you directly. We can't handle that pressure, and frankly, we don't want to. We also don't feel qualified to give official ADHD advice because we're still struggling with learning how to manage our ADHD selves, and who are we to tell you what to do? Or no one.
1: There are so many great educational ADHD podcasts out there already. We can share some of the ones we like to listen to in the show notes so you can check those out, along with some book recommendations if I can remember to add those. There are so many knowledgeable creators, writers, researchers, and coaches who we are learning from and whose work we will reference from time to time, but we are not that. We just want to laugh about the ups, downs, and all arounds of having ADHD and chat with our friends about how we as ADHDers all seem to be drawn to each other without realizing it.
0: We wanted to create a safe space for those of us who maybe haven't mastered all the executive function strategies yet, but who recognize just how deeply our ADHD impacts every aspect of our lives and personalities, and make a community of peeps who want to laugh-cry together about all the difficult and hilarious things that come with not having normal dopamine levels. Yep, we're more like the table discussion that takes place
1: after you've listened to an educational training during a teacher training day. Some of it is on topic, relevant, and directly tied to the research. But most of it is the ridiculous conversation that starts once the principal is out of earshot. Our usual show format will be mostly fun segments. We've created so many segments you don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even know. You don't know. But since this is the first episode, we need to get our introductions and ADHD backgrounds out of the way first, so you know who we are and what we're about. After this first episode, the podcast will be much sillier, weirder, and less scripted. We're also going to have guests on and make them tell us their pizza secrets. Pizza secrets! So you don't want to miss that.
0: You definitely don't.
1: If you don't really care about us or our backgrounds or what this podcast is about, and you just want to get to some fun segments and hear Kristen play some sweet, sweet kazoo music, you can skip ahead to the segment portion of the episode and then circle back to this part once you care about us enough to want to learn about us. Or don't. We'll never know. But for episode one, Kristen, why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about you and your personal ADHD journey so far?
0: I am Kristen. I'm currently 31 years of age and I'm a suspected ADHDer. I grew up down the street from Grace next to a cemetery. I have lived most of my life on the East Coast, but since. Sent- three years of my adult life in Washington State. I like skiing, camping, hiking, mushroom photography. I have an addiction to TikTok. I would say I'm proud of it, but I'm not. I have recently picked up a fun but kind of expensive wine hobby. I currently live in Maine with my 11-year-old cat Snickers, who has an anxiety disorder. We both have an anxiety disorder. And my 50-plus houseplants, who are as uh, currently mentally stable.
1: They're thriving. Uh, they're
0: thriving. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I I wouldn't say thriving. Um, I have a bachelor's of science in biochemistry and my master's in physician assistant studies, which is now called physician associates because we just changed the name or the AAPA association just changed the name. And I currently work as a PA in the surgical setting. I'm currently kind of starting my own ADHD journey. I've been suspicious of my symptoms for a while I remember being in third grade in Miss Ketchel's class, uh, in, which is a special reading class. I guess not everybody knows who Miss Ketchel is.
1: <laughs> not everyone went to Longfellow uh, uh, in 1995.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, of course, Miss Ketchel. Um, so I was in a special reading class and they told me to use like a bookmark to go uh, like line by line through the text because I couldn't make it to the end of the text. Like for that specific line before getting distracted and losing my place. And then I'd have to start all over again makes it hard to read. Uh, (laughs) Throughout the rest of my schooling, I noticed I had to put a lot more effort than my classmates. I had a lot of feelings of inadequacy with my schoolwork, even though I would get top marks. And wouldn't you know, this only worsened in college. No way. (laughs) Uh, college is really when I first thought maybe my symptoms might be due to a difficulty with concentration rather than being less intelligent. I would spend my entire weekend in the library only to get the same amount of work done as someone who would spend like a couple hours, which is super duper frustrating. Uh, my third year, probably my hardest year. Um, I was seeing a lot of advanced classes and, uh, Grace and I actually lived together in a terrible apartment. It had mice. It was across the street from a 24 hour McDonald's, which wasn't always a bad thing, but most of the time, yes. Yes. And I I think the house was probably made of cardboard or something. Like, I don't think it was like stable for sure. Like, there's like, I don't know what a foundation is, but I don't think it had one. (laughs) It was like (laughs) a dollhouse. It was. and 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 to be honest i've looked it up on google maps i don't think it's there anymore like i think it just doesn't exist i don't know if it never existed uh, ghost house house. (laughs) (laughs) i just i it's not there but um (laughs) When we lived together, Grace actually, because she's a great friend, uh, tried to get me help and actually seek out a possible diagnosis of ADHD. Uh, She did uh, this because she noticed a huge issue with inattentiveness, which is still present today. I went to the college mental health clinic um, where I had to speak to an old white man who just wanted to talk to me about lacrosse. They always do. You know. White men in lacrosse. It's like it's like a peanut butter and jelly combination. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just to like clarify, I was on the club team. I was definitely not D one. But we just chatted about lacrosse all day. We never really talked about symptoms or like, am I doing better? It was like two minutes of like, are you doing better? I'm like, I think so. And he's like, okay, moving on. And um, the other thing he did is he made my friends and my mom fill out a questionnaire regarding my symptoms, but never really like discussed my symptoms with me. Um, All the questions were very much like hyperactivity based. Um, And I think I'm more a inattentive type. Although hyperactivity can come out in the form of excessive talking, just so you know. Are you saying I am an excessive talker? I am very much. Yeah, I yes. I would agree. Uh, <laughs> that's OK. Just
1: throwing it out there. Right.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing. It was like it was all hyperactivity based. It was all like what other people perceived of me. It wasn't like what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. It's like, how does this affect? I don't want to bring capitalism into this, but it's like, basically, it's like, are you a good capitalist? Can you provide to society? Or are you just going to stare at the window all day?
1: Well, it's essentially diagnosed as like, how annoying are you to
0: those around you? Yes, that's it. Thank you. Um, Yes, thank you. That's exactly what it is. Um, and it was, yeah, it was basically based off of like how others perceive you rather than me perceiving myself, my own symptoms. And I never felt like heard and, you know, cause I was like, what, 22, um, mm. with, you know, the spine of a baby mouse. <laughs> So I was like, okay, and I didn't really stick up for myself or like, you know, advocate with for myself, which is just a hard thing to do in healthcare. Um, and so they diagnosed me with anxiety and they put me on, they, as in this white man, um, he's, I'm sure he's a nice man, but That's anyway, um, he prescribed me Lexapro, which is an SSRI works on your serotonin. Uh, and it did help with the feelings of anxiety, but never, and also my depression, But it never like got to the core issue of the concentration, the executive function, the task management. I just kind of like stopped caring about not being able to do those things and kind of like felt like numb. And it's not like in a depression numb, but just kind of like, I'm okay with this kind of thing. And now that I say that, it kind of sounds like depression, but it wasn't depression. It was like an apathy, a non-depressive apathy. Does that make sense? Yes, I think it does. Okay. You're not just saying that to move me on to the next paragraph. Absolutely not. I would never do that. Okay. Appreciate it. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, And then to be honest, the most helpful thing for my anxiety and depression was to get out of uh, college to which I mean, I graduated, but like to just get out of that highly competitive environment filled with awful people. I don't know if anybody knows this, but the STEM fields are highly competitive. What? (laughs) What? studying with pre-med students is a literal nightmare. There was one girl in my organic chemistry class who would literally cry outside the exam room before every test. And she's surrounded by her friends and she's surrounded by like guys. And they're like, you're going to do great. You're fine. And she's just hysterically bawling. And then she would score the highest, out of a class of 200 students. And it wasn't like a one-time thing. It was every test. It was every single test. I took organic chemistry one and two with this girl every single time. And you know what? By test number six, it got a little annoying. Um, I did get in a huge fight with a friend uh, because I scored higher on her than one organic chemistry test. And she was usually out of the two of us, the one who would score higher on all of us. But since I got a better grade than her, we had this huge fight. Um, we almost never became friends again and we had to like apologize to each other and then make a pact moving forward that we wouldn't share our grades with each other for the rest of the year because, because of that huge fight and (laughs) which is, (laughs) which is insane. Just be be supportive. But I guess, I guess not. And needless to say, students would really try anything to get ahead. I knew many students who would use stimulants like Adderall. I think that's still like a thing today. Um, and even though they didn't have like a medical condition that required it. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it with my noodle, it's, uh, you know, how many of those students were self-medicating? How many were using this illicitly? We will never know, Mm -hmm. but it's a good thought. It's a good thought. I also noticed, and this was more in grad school than college, a huge stigma with people with ADHD because they would get accommodations. Um, one of the things is they would get longer times on tests because they need it. And a lot of people who did not have ADHD or who did not understand what ADHD was saw that as like, you know, getting an advantage when really they have a disadvantage to begin with. It's just kind of like evening the playing field. And there's a lot of people who are like, they don't even look like someone with ADHD. And you're like, what does that even mean? Yeah. What does that what mean? Does it like? What does it look like? Just drove me nuts. Although I work in the medical field where I interact with providers every day, doctors, physician assistants, slash now associates, nurse practitioners, uh, in regards to my own mental health, I am cautious, mistrusting, and afraid, not afraid, I just don't trust them, of other providers, um, which is definitely to my own detriment. I don't recommend it. They're there to help you. You just have to be a good advocate. And that's hard. <laughs> I'm at that currently. I'm at the very beginning of my own seeking help phase uh, for my symptoms. And it really, really sucks. I legit cried for 45 minutes prior to making a doctor's appointment. And then I cried all throughout that doctor's appointment. And probably about an hour after that doctor's appointment, just because I was so worked up about the doctor's appointment. Anyway, it really, really, really sucks to go through this. And I hope I can, you know, sympathize with anybody else who has to go through the process of like seeking help, seeking a diagnosis, whether that be ADHD, depression, anxiety, it sucks. It sucks to just put yourself out there and to ask for help when you're not quite sure what those things are.
1: And not all medical providers have the same level of understanding and compassion. So you also do have to be ready to advocate for yourself if they just don't really know what
0: ADHD is. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a field that is uh, gaining more research um and I I know going through grad school myself it was not touched upon at all. Well, no, it was. It was it was a little tiny bit. It was like a little a little blip being like, "Oh, if they have ADHD, here's the meds that you can use." Um and that was about it. And then we spent more time talking about the difference between in your neurotransmitters between Parkinson's and ADHD more than ADHD itself. Anyway, uh moving aside, quick side note, I do work in healthcare but I work in a surgical field, not psychiatry. And although sometimes those fields overlap more often than I would like, to be honest, um, I don't plan to use this podcast to answer any specific medical questions because I don't feel qualified to do so. I'm happy to give any basic medical background context. But if you have a personal medical question about yourself, about a friend, about a loved one, please seek help from a professional in that field. I highly don't don't ask me. I'm I'm not the best one to talk to. She's not going to look at your wounds. So don't, I, sell, don't send your wounds. I look at a lot of wounds, but I don't want to look at your wounds. I'm <laughs> no sure offense. they're great. Please send them to someone else. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening, all. Uh, Good job. Grace.
1: Okay. So I never really know what to say in a bio. So in true ADHD fashion, I will now word vomit at you until I can't think of anything else to say about myself. Let's hear it. My name is Grace. I am also 31. I am from Portland, Maine, and I grew up next to a cemetery, which I was recently told explains a lot about me. It does. Thank you. I take it as a compliment. I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in communication sciences and disorders, which is a fancy way of saying speech-language pathology. I was a speech-language pathologist turned UX writer, which is user
0: experience. Turned I'm glad you clarified that. I would have n- never have gotten that. Most people don't. It sounds like an anime thing, UX. but continue.
1: Uh, turned podcast producer, and now I both produce an ADHD podcast, and I am creating and producing an ADHD podcast of my own, aka the podcast you are listening to. I've lived all over the country for the past ten years or so, and I'm now back living in Portland with my husband Ian, who is a fellow ADHDer and our dog Lucy, who I suspect is also a member of the ADHD community. Oh, for sure, for sure. hundred percent. I'm left-handed, which I've always felt is an important part of my personality for some reason. I am a Leo. I needlepoint and make weird collage art. And I love all things outdoors, unless it is cross-country skiing.
0: Screw cross-country skiing. Yeah,
1: screw it. I've never been. It just triggered my asthma immediately. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a vendetta against it. (laughs) That seems legit. Um, So looking back... Throughout my life, I was very obviously ADHD as a child, and I'm sure Kristen can attest to that. I can. (laughs) Uh, But I was not diagnosed until I was 24. And even then, I didn't really understand what that meant for me until a couple of years ago when I started to learn about ADHD more in depth. My experience with school is one I know a lot of ADHDers can relate to. I burn bright, but I burn fast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it.
1: <laughs> I did. I really liked to read in elementary school, so I was labeled a quote-unquote smart kid. Yeah, we were in different reading groups. Yes. Um, and put, I was put into the gifted and talented reading class, uh, which immediately killed my love for reading. So...
0: There's you know, huh. pros and cons
1: of both reading class.
0: <laughs> I was just reading to read. She came down, like, down to the basement to Miss Gatchel's class. Yeah. You, like, shunned in the basement. I would have I done great in you that basement. You would have loved though. the basement. Yeah.
1: I like a good basement. <laughs> um, then as schoolwork and classroom expectations became more rigorous, I started to struggle and have some, let's call them, undesirable behaviors. Um, I was either really bored in class because I would understand stuff immediately and fly through the work super fast. Or I was confused and felt ashamed because I was struggling with stuff that I felt like I shouldn't be struggling with or that adults felt like I shouldn't be struggling with because I was a smart kid. By the time I got to middle school, adults saw my behaviors as choices I was making rather than a sign of me needing help. And because I didn't know I had ADHD either, I didn't really know how to ask for that help. I really struggled with memorizing facts and absorbing information from class that didn't interest me. But I was always really good at using context clues to figure out what the teacher was looking for, and I became a pretty good bullshitter.
0: Um Ye- I you know what, we didn't take many classes together, but I do remember you were one of the best bullshitters in our grade. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm a superlative my for that. Full heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah. So I was pretty good at bullshitting and I was usually able to pull things off at the last minute. Sometimes I refer to myself as last minute grace, always followed by that little disco man emoji. You know, the one. (laughs) So that's really what I felt like got me through most of my schooling. Um, I had terrible executive functioning skills and I still struggle with those types of tasks quite a bit. I was always the very last car in the parking lot in high school. And I was late to my first class pretty much
0: every single day. Which killed me because we rode together and I was... Anxious about time. Yes. And I was not. And you were not. So we both have
1: time blindness, but we just handled it very differently. Yeah, My lateness was always just seen as a quirky slash frustrating part of my personality rather than an underlying disability. Once I got to college at the University of Maine, Orono... Go black bears. Woo woo. But not really.
0: You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. You're mediocre at best. Yeah, average. They have a great research program if you want to go into like research that you get a lot of lab time.
1: Sure. But anything else?
0: Yeah. Uh, eh. Look
1: elsewhere. <laughs> so once I got to college, it was more difficult to bullshit my way through because of the jump in workload um, and the increased organizational demands, plus the sudden independence from my parents that required me to use even more of my non-existent executive functioning skills
0: to keep myself alive. Kristen and I would have microwavable meal Mondays oh, when we lived I together. Oh, I loved microwavable meal Mondays. I, we sh- we got to bring that back. I mean, you know, any day can be microwavable meal Monday. Yeah, but it was. A, yeah, but the it fact that you labeled it made it like extra special. All
1: right, let's do it. Let's All bring right, it back. Bring it back. I somehow pulled it off, and I graduated with a good GPA, feeling like I hadn't actually internalized any knowledge and that I was a total fraud. It, it always felt like I was kind of LARPing at being a smart kid, but I was really a dumb kid and no one knew my little secret.
0: Oh, wait, yeah. that's really sad. You are a smart person. Stop that. Smart in some ways. You are smart in many ways. Stop that. Okay. What start. did you talk about? We just talked about why positive affirmations, you're going to put it out there into the universe. You're right. You're a smart person.
1: Say it. I'm a smart person LARPing as a smarter person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How about that? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll, we'll work on it.
1: I'm smart in very specific ways, but I feel like I have to fake my like neuro, I don't know. The way neurotypicals measure intelligence is not what I am good at. So I feel like that's what I'm faking is like this neurotypical level of intelligence. It's the man bringing you down. Screw the man. Screw the man. You're right. I am smart. You are smart. Thank you. So after college, I moved to Boston for what was supposed to be one year but uh, before going to grad school. But because I got all of my grad school applications in too late, it ended up being two years. Nice. Thanks ADHD. I could not have done it without you. <laughs> <laughs> it was like hundreds of dollars for my
0: applications. Oh, I forgot about application fees, which is garbage. Yep. Here, pay us money so you can try and get into our school and we'll just reject you anyway and you don't get your money back. Exactly. So... That's all. Welcome now. to American academia. Oh, oh, okay. We gotta, we gotta keep going because yep. I will just keep. I will go off. I know you will. We'll save it. We got a whole podcast. Okay, okay.
1: So the following year, I learned from my mistake. I applied to grad school on time, and I got accepted to a graduate program at the University of Vermont in Burlington.
0: Woo woo, go! Catamounts. Ah, I knew it was a cat based thing. Catamounts. Is that it? Right. That's like a cat. Okay. Yeah. A type of big cat. Big cats. I should
1: know more, but I don't. (laughs) I was pretty excited about it, but I was also super nervous about how I was going to get all the work done when I had already struggled a lot in undergrad and I was already feeling a lot of burnout from that. Um, I mentioned this to my doctor and she asked a few questions and had me fill out an ADHD screener. And then she referred me to a psychiatrist after I passed the screener with flying colors. Nice. And by that, I mean I scored super high on the nice. ADHD trait. Top scorer. Oh, yeah. yeah. that test. Nice. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Definitely has ADHD. <laughs> awesome. I don't remember a ton about getting diagnosed, but I do remember having serious imposter syndrome during it. Even though I was answering each question and rating scale accurately and truthfully, I was still under the impression that everyone's brains worked that way, so it felt like I was exaggerating or making a big deal out of something that I should just work harder at instead. You know, all the usual fun stuff we're told as children and then internalize and start to tell ourselves. The psychiatrist made it seem like I was a pretty clear-cut case of adult ADHD. I don't remember her really explaining much to me about the less discussed aspects of ADHD that were causing me the biggest problems, like my executive function my emotional dysregulation, my time blindness. But I also have a pretty poor memory because of my ADHD. So who's to say what went down in that appointment? (laughs) Not me. It was like a seance and you just have no recollection. Yep. Totally wiped from my mind. (laughs) I also don't really remember a discussion about which type of ADHD I have, but I do believe that I am combined type, both hyperactive and inattentive. That magical duo. She prescribed me Vyvanse, and I don't really remember any further discussions about strategies I could use to work on my executive function. So with that, I went on to start grad school, thinking that was the extent of how to fix my problem. So I went to grad school, and I actually did pretty well. I finally felt like I was learning in class for the first time in my life, but still going on Pinterest during class.
0: So mm, Well, you know what? That's not your fault. can't Pinterest. fix everything. <laughs> Pinterest is pretty interesting. It is. Who else is going to tell you twenty six recipes on how to add more beets to your diet?
1: I don't know. Yeah. I don't want more beets in my diet. Oh. I want fewer beets.
0: <laughs> beets are really good. Beets. <laughs> I already have zero, so it I want less. Lots of beta carotene. Yeah. I'll take vitamins and
1: um iron. Yeah. I still struggle with a lot of the executive function and organization aspects of school. Turns out medication doesn't magically give you an internal sense of time or the motivation (laughs) to do assigned reading. What? I know. Um, I didn't realize just how many skills I was still missing, so I didn't even really know what I needed to work on. I just didn't really understand still what I was struggling with. I finished my program and I graduated with a master's in communication sciences and disorders. Then I moved down to Virginia, to live with my now husband, Ian, while he was still in the Navy, and I got my first job as a speech-language pathologist. I was overwhelmed with the job even from day one. It always seemed like way more work and organization than one person was capable of. But because it was my first job, I figured it would just take time and experience to feel comfortable and confident in my role. After the first year I was down there, we moved across the country to Eugene, Oregon, having never once been there and without knowing a single thing about it. We literally found a house rental the same day we rolled into town. (laughs) Last minute grace strikes again. Disco man. Nice. I started my second SLP job at a small elementary school in Eugene. And for the most part, I loved the school I was at and I had some amazing students and coworkers. but I still had this constant feeling of overwhelm at all times. Looking back, becoming an SLP was probably one of the worst professions I could have possibly chosen for myself. (laughs) There's so much executive function and organization involved. You're responsible for the potential speech and language needs of every single student in every single grade in the school. Plus, if you miss a deadline for IEP paperwork, you could get the school sued. So that's a fun little additional stressor. What? Yep. What? So, for someone who really struggles with staying on top of paperwork, that was just like a fun little game of will I or won't I get the school sued one day.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That's so much pressure.
1: Plus, you're working with kids with disabilities. So, you also have this, like I always had this moral obligation. Obviously, I wanted to do right by my students and I felt like I was failing at all times. So, it just really was stressful to feel like I wasn't doing enough for them and Mm -hmm. couldn't ever do enough for them. It always felt like I was rushing and drowning, but never actually getting anywhere. I was just always playing catch up and I didn't really understand why I couldn't just do what everyone else around me was doing. Yeah. The worst is when I would show up to school. I would always show up literally the minute before students would arrive. (laughs) Which is not a good way to do things, but I still would do it every single day. And <laughs> the worst is when I would be pulling into the parking lot and I was proud of myself for, like, getting there early. And then a teacher would pull in next to me and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so late. Uh-huh. I'm never this late. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm, like, proud that you I made know, it you know 10 what? minutes early. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you're like, woo, Hold 10 minutes. And she's like, oh, my God. I overslept by three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never this late.
1: So irresponsible of me. <laughs> so uh, that's always fun. After two years of living out in Oregon, we decided to move back to Maine. Woo-woo. This time with our dog child, Lucy, who we adopted from a shelter in Washington with the help of Auntie Kristen. Yes. Then Ian and I got married in September of 2019, shortly after getting back to Maine, and I started working as an SLP at a preschool. Then COVID hit, and around the same time, my preschool was shut down, and I was given this crazy opportunity to do some UX writing for Which Microsoft. is an,
0: it's an anime thing. No. For sure. No, it's not It's anime. All. Anime writing. Continue.
1: I was given a crazy opportunity to do some UX writing <laughs> for Microsoft. Let me just interrupt your flow yes. real quick. I know, man. I'm on a roll. I know. Okay, Continue. Stop with the anime. We'll (laughs) talk about anime at some point if you want to. I don't. I don't know (laughs) anything about it. And yet here we are. Here we are. Um, So I had the huge privilege of being able to work from home, which was a big relief because I am asthmatic and terrified of getting COVID. As per the natural progression of millennials during quarantine, I soon got hooked on TikTok. It wasn't long until I ended up on ADHD TikTok. And that's when everything started clicking for me. I don't think it was any specific creator or video, but I remember one day very clearly that it was truly like a cartoon style light bulb going off in my brain above my head. I even remember saying, oh, out loud to myself. It was so weird. It was like my brain had been in this denial mode for so long. And then the floodgates were opened, and everything about my existence started making sense.
0: You're like, oh, my gosh, other people are like me and think like me. I just like I didn't get that I had ADHD. Even after I was
1: diagnosed with it and being treated for it and working with kids who had ADHD and writing plans for neurodivergent kids, learning about this in grad school. It's like the
0: most extreme form of imposter syndrome. I know. I don't know why it just never clicked of, oh, this is also me. But maybe because you're always looking at it from like an outside perspective, you know, Mm. you're like, oh, these children have learning disabilities and need assistance. But what if you also have a disability and you need assistance? I, I guess that's that's how I would say. You're so used to looking at it from like a mm. third-party outsider perspective that you're not. Now you're like, hey, this is also you. And you're like, Mrah. True. There's also a lot of stigma about ADHD that
1: it only affects boys, that you grow out of it, blah, blah, blah. Wrong. All of that is wrong. wrong. It affects boys and girls the same amount. So... ADHD immediately became my hyperfocus and I dove in deep. I went back through my grad school resources. I ordered a million books. I took courses. I subscribed to Attitude magazine. I listened to all <laughs> the podcasts. And of course, I started talking about it nonstop to anyone who would listen. Me? <laughs> yes, you. I realized so many things about myself, so many aspects of my childhood that all made so much sense. And it helped me forgive myself for a lot of the things that I'd always carried shame about. Also, for those of you who discovered you have ADHD through TikTok and you feel shame about it, just know that I had a literal master's degree in this area. Um, I was diagnosed with ADHD and I still had to figure it out through TikTok. Now, that's not to say you should diagnose yourself through TikTok, especially those bullshit like if you crack your knuckles, you
0: have ADHD. If you blink to this song in a rhythmic fashion, you have ADHD. If you can say all these lyrics to this song really quickly, you have ADHD.
1: If like, you listen no. to the
0: song and it and it keeps going in and out of like different speakers and it sounds like it's traveling to and from your ears, you may have ADHD. Yes.
1: So all of that is bullshit. But there are a lot of really good legit creators on TikTok who talk about what it feels like to be in the ADHD brain. And that's really helpful to hear because even medical providers aren't really talking a lot about some of those more nuanced aspects of ADHD that you really only understand the experience of when you have ADHD. So you should always consult legitimate research and outside sources and a doctor if you can. But TikTok, I think, is a completely valid way to at least start to understand this about yourself.
0: Right. And even if, you know, you were a person who let's let's not kid ourselves. In America, healthcare is a privilege, not a right. Yep. So if you are in a you know a situation where maybe going to a psychiatrist who has like you know let's say a fifty dollar copay every time you go see him or higher because that could be a thing higher and yeah much higher sorry fifty dollars that's a steal that's a bargain Um, and that's just not like a financially feasible situation you know maybe through credible sources you can at least kind of guide yourself through um maybe different like techniques to kind of adapt to a neurotypical world not adapting was what am i looking for it's it's to support your needs yeah i guess support your needs in a world that is not structured for you and it's structured to suppress you
1: yes so instead of trying to just keep following all this bullshit neurotypical advice that was not made for us like, hustle culture oh yes, my exactly. god hustle, hustle culture hustle is s- the culture can of- suck it yes that's- who came up with that it's designed to fail, especially for us. There's I read so much now that I now I realize is neurotypical advice of like, do this every single day. And obviously, I would inevitably fail because, as Dr. Ned Hallowell says, we are consistently inconsistent. So, of course, we're not going to be able to keep a consistent routine the same way a neurotypical can. So, The big thing about learning you have ADHD is finding sources and supports that are made for you, that are made for your brain. We're just not going to be able to use the same strategies as neurotypicals, and that's okay. We just have to do things a little differently. So the more you understand about your brain, the better you can support it. So as I learned more and more about my ADHD, I also started realizing how many of my friends and family were also exhibiting some of the same ADHD characteristics. Turns out I'd unknowingly surrounded myself with a bunch of neurodivergent friends. What? Like Kristen here, for example. Since, like, we were five, though. I know. We were just drawn to each other. A Couple mm. little weirdos. <laughs> and also we live next door to each we other. We did live. So it'd be hard <laughs> to avoid each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I even wound up married to another adhd or Go figure. Wound up. I think you guys were meant for each other. I agree. Oh. Aww. Aww. So when I started talking to these people about ADHD, I wound up having some of the the deepest, most insightful, and most ridiculous and comforting conversations I had ever had. There were so many realizations happening on both sides, and I felt like it allowed us to see each other properly for the first time. I love that feeling of helping someone understand themselves and make those connections, and I realized that was what I truly loved about being an SLP. I loved helping the misunderstood kids finally understand themselves and start to celebrate that. So that's kind of how the idea for this podcast came about. I've seen so much growth and forgiveness in myself and in those I've been talking to about this, and I figured if those conversations helped us so much, maybe it can help others to hear them too and to laugh along with us at some of the more ridiculous, difficult, frustrating, and hilarious aspects of being ADHD in a neurotypical world. So if you have ADHD, either diagnosed or suspected, come join our little flock where we're all a little weird and that's something to be celebrated. After the break, we will be back with some segments that you've been waiting for segments stay tuned transition okay welcome back from that what i can only expect was an amazing transition
0: yep yep that's what we're known for transitions very good at them Mm -hmm.
1: so now we are into the segment portion of this episode and we just want to start off by kind of giving a short ish as short as we can keep it description of what these segments will be about like what is to come what's in the future what does the future hold for us are you ready for our segments are you ready all right um here is our first segment little accomplishments accomplishments, but but big big in in our our hearts.
0: hearts Uh, This is our little ADHD accomplishments uh, segment, and we're going to start off each week or each episode by celebrating a little accomplishment that we have had in the past week because someone should be celebrating us. So why not us? Why not us? Why not? Many of us ADHDers don't give ourselves the praise we deserve after completing a difficult task. Sometimes when I finally fold my laundry instead of celebrating like, yay, clothes are done. Uh, I beat myself up because why wasn't it done sooner? Or why do I have so many clothes in the first place? Why don't I donate my clothes to somewhere like Goodwill or something? Why am I impulse buying all these clothes? Why do I partake in fast fashion? And it just kind of goes on from there. So we want to kind of avoid that and take time to celebrate ourselves. We're
1: so used to thinking of daily living tasks as "quote easy" because that's how neurotypical society treats them. And maybe some of these tasks are legitimately easy for people who have normal dopamine levels and executive functioning which I find hard to believe. I just can't imagine being in a neurotypical brain, but neither can I. But for a lot of ADHDers, um, one task is actually like 20 tasks in one. And a lot of those tasks are very boring. So boring. So boring. So dopamine. Yes. Gotta get that dope. Gotta get that dope. And so if you don't have the dopamine to complete a task, it's going to feel much harder for us than it is for someone who does have the dope. So if it takes me three days of mental
0: preparation <laughs> to do the dishes, that's a hard ass task. And I should be celebrated for no it. No dope in that task. Well, let me just dive right in. For example, today, uh, I had a meeting with my financial advisor, Jean. Hello, Jean. Jean, Jean, Jean does not Jean. listen to this. Thank God. Um, he could. He could. He probably won't. He's He's got better things to do. He's probably neurotypical. He very much neurotypical. That's why he takes care of my monies. Someone has to. Someone has to. Yeah. <laughs> and i just want to say i'm pretty proud of myself i was unreasonably sweaty throughout the whole thing but woo woo i did it woo good job woo what would a reasonable amount of sweaty be i don't know but that wasn't it how about that i don't know why i was just like the second i start and he's like the nicest guy the second i start talking to him it's just like sweat sweat
1: but you know what you did it all right for my little accomplishment yeah, this hear week about it i canceled a free trial before i was charged for it oh
0: nice nice (laughs) not to
1: get on my high horse (laughs) you know what
0: i think that's very much (laughs) that's very much an accomplishment um what was the free trial for
1: Oh, it was for something called FUBO. I was trying to watch the third season of Temptation Island. <laughs> which I would say is a shame watch, but we're no longer doing that, you know? So I'm fully proud of watching Temptation Island. Was it
0: worth it to watch Temptation Island for I a free would say, trial? I would say so. Yeah. I'm I stand by my decision. You literally paid no money for that. So that's great. Because
1: I canceled it. Boom. Boom. Proud of done. You proud of you. All right. So that's just a little uh, example of how that will go each week. Little taste. And if you have some little ADHD accomplishments that you want us to celebrate, um, because we think you should be celebrating them. Celebrate them. Then you can send in your little accomplishments to weirdsofafeather at gmail.com. And we just might read your little accomplishment on the air.
0: I would love to hear everybody's accomplishments because we all need to be celebrating each other. We're living through a goddamn pandemic and I need some good news.
1: All right, now we have come. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not, <laughs> Not yet. Sorry. Okay. Now we have come to the segment that you have all been waiting for. Uh, you've been waiting with baby breath, as Kristen would say. <laughs> um, this one is called I Am So Quirky. Some people call me spacey,
0: some people call me fun, but I'm just quirky. <laughs> <laughs> that was our best one yet, I just want to say. It was beautiful. I <laughs> Glorious triggers. Struggling yours. with the kazoo. <laughs> you know what? You're learning. It is a really hard instrument, and I have w- watched many YouTube videos on proper kazoo technique. All for nothing, because it still sounds terrible, but that's okay. There's a really steep learning curve to kazoo. (laughs) That's what they always say. Once you get it, you get it.
1: Yeah, but getting there is really difficult. People practice years Years. and they still sound like that. Yeah, I'm still early on
0: in my kazoo journey.
1: Okay, I'm so quirky. So this segment is in honor of all you ADHDers out there who have had your ADHD red flags labeled as quirky little personality traits rather than indicators of a neurodivergence. Um, especially if you're female or you were assigned female at birth. For some reason, society is just determined to pretend that girls can't be autistic or ADHD. It is the patriarchy, and it needs to be stopped. Yes, it's bizarre. And often people just want to chalk our behaviors up to anything except a neurodivergence. They label it as depression, as anxiety, sometimes as personality disorders. So this causes a lot of us to go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed for years. Yes, some of our characteristics can be stereotypically Nick Miller quirky and silly, and they're fun to laugh about, like how I can't be in the same room as an overly ripe banana. But other aspects of ADHD are much less fun and can make life really challenging and frustrating, like executive dysfunction and time blindness. Ugh,
0: time blindness is the worst. I'm late
1: for everything all the time all forever. The time. Um, and even if we are diagnosed, society has this hyperactive, wacky caricature of what ADHD looks like, And it causes people to both downplay ADHD as just silly little quirks and to ignore the more challenging ADHD traits that aren't as much fun to talk about because they suck. And people would rather see those as behavioral choices we're
0: making on purpose because we're lazy. Uh, So here's how the segment goes. First, we're going to list two of our quirkier, more lighthearted, like fun. Yeah. ADHD traits. Uh, For example, I like pickles on my pizza. Yeah. And then, you know what? Sorry to yuck your yum. You know what? It's not as bad. You gotta go. To, you gotta get the white sauce with the pickle pizza. Mm. And I know it sounds terrible, but it's it actually worse. quite good. Anyway, you gotta, don't knock until you try it. All right. And then, okay, moving on. One uh, more, uh, we'll say, like, dysfunctional ADHD treat that's pretty challenging to live with and causes a lot of problems, like how I get uh, too nervous to check my work email, so I don't. But then I miss important things like meetings and journal club and stuff. So that's kind of that's uh, that kind of sucks. You're so quirky. So quirky. All these missing meetings. I told
1: my friend Kylie that if it was really important, they would send something in the mail. But I also do not open my mail. (laughs)
0: That's how I am. I'm like, oh, if it's an important voice call or like a phone call, mm. um, they'll leave a voicemail. But then I don't check my voicemails either.
1: Same. <laughs> You're so quirky. We're so quirky. So quirky. And you are too. So we would also love to hear your I'm so quirky if you have any fun ones.
0: I'm just going to say nothing gets done during our meetings. So I feel like I'm not really missing anything. Yeah. If it were really important, they would call you. Yeah. <laughs> and leave a voicemail yes. that I wouldn't check. Alright, are
1: you ready for our next segment? Uh, I think I am. Alright, we've been working really, really hard on this song. We this have is, spent hours composing it. Hours in the studio. I
0: learned how to write music for this. She
1: did. It's really impressive. Okay, let's
0: resume. Bow bow ba-dow. Bow bow ba-dow. bow bow ba-dow. bow bow. Ba-dow. these are the collectors and these are their hobbies
1: all right welcome to hobby collectors so this segment is all about our many many hobbies and interests
0: this is the segment i'm most excited to share and hear about yeah i think you came up with this one it's a good one yeah uh, not to do my own horn, but I got a bottle this.
1: Pretty much every ADHDer I talk to has a million different hobbies. So many of us really like starting a new hobby or a project, but the follow through to finish those projects is not always there. Yeah. Uh, we got to get that dopamine wherever we can. Got to get that dope. And starting a new hobby gives us a ton of dopamine, but finishing things, not so much. Mm. I cannot finish something f- for the life of me. Yeah. It's just so boring. It's... No, I'm I'm on to the new thing. Yeah, I feel like I get 90% of the way there. I need someone to just finish the last 10% of
0: all of my mm. hobbies and projects. You know what? This could be a business Ooh. someone can start, just but not us. us. Which is a new segment, by the way. And then you'll have all these finished crafts, and you'll be like, look at me, I've finished this. Ooh, brag, brag, brag.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I finished a project. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I start a new hobby, I'm always so convinced that this is the one. This time it'll all be different. This is who I am now, Um, and it never is. (laughs) I'm so convinced in the moment. Like nope, I will do this for the rest of my life.
0: This is it. This is you're going to make a whole career out of it. Yep. Oh, I'm planning an an Etsy shop about it. Yeah.
1: I make an email address. Yep. Yep. Instagram account. Fill out a stamps.com account. Yep. Maybe even take out an LLC. Yeah. Who knows. But eventually, in a week or two, that will wear off and I will be on to the next hobby. Mm. And I'm convinced that is now the one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this time it'll be different. It's definitely the collage crafts. And it just goes on and on for the rest of our lives. We want to celebrate our many and sometimes short lived hobbies and interests. Um, in future posts, we'll be discussing a bit of hobby history, of what materials you'll actually need, tips to get started, and a consensus on whether or not this is a good hobby for ADHDers. For example, right now, Most of my hobbies are plant related. I enjoy my house plants in the art form of uh, bonsai. Stay tuned for episode two for a deep dive in bonsai. (laughs) But I also do a fair amount of outdoor activities like skiing and hiking and camping. My big hobbies right now are longboarding,
1: making weird collage art and animal bone collecting. I love the collage
0: art. I think I hope you keep that one. I think I'm going. Well, I can't say that, but I would like to. <laughs> As of now, this is your whole personality. You are only collage art. I am for a the collage next artist. Weeks. Yeah. This is my whole personality.
1: <laughs> now, I've actually been doing it for like, I don't know, eight months now.
0: That's and pretty long. Yeah. it's
1: a good one. Yeah. So I'm hoping it'll stick around. I enjoy it too. And I'll post some of those um, on our social media. Nice. If you want to see my weird collage art, um, I do. Well, you've seen it, oh. but <laughs> listeners out there who yeah. aren't Kristen, who aren't in my home, <laughs> um, I've also dabbled in lots of other crafty hobbies. Most of them just long enough to figure out the basics before moving on. Um, and the same goes for musical instruments. Many dabbles. I've also like had the fiddle. Yeah, I used to go to fiddle camp. Once again, no brag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a brag.
1: <laughs> I don't think anyone will confuse that yeah. for a brag. <laughs> So if you have a hobby that you're thinking of starting, but you're unsure of where or how to start,
0: you can send us an email. And- or if you have a hobby you want us to cover, if you're like, you guys got to get into this. Mm. I want to know about it. Yeah. So either tell us about a good hobby we should try.
1: Or if you want to ask us to cover one of our hobbies on a pod, you can email us. And there's a good chance that one of us has tried that hobby before and we just might cover it in a future
0: episode. Yeah. So email us or DM us on our Instagram at Weirs of a Feather. Yep, do that one. Yep. All
1: right, we got two more segments for you. Alternative,
0: Alternative segments. segments. This is actually <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a grab bag of segments. When we were coming up with ideas for the podcast, we came up with a lot of different segments that made us laugh. But there are way too many to do all of them consistently without having the episodes be like three hours long. So, in alternative segments, we'll be switching it up each week.
1: Our first alternative segment <laughs> is called Have I Cancelled That? So, Kristen, let's talk your Planet Fitness membership that you've had to a gym in Washington, a state that you haven't lived in in over a year. Have you canceled that? No. All right. And that has been Have I Cancelled That on Alternative Segments. <laughs> All right. And we are coming up on our last segment. Last segment of the night, folks. And shall I say our favorite segment? It is. Okay. The best one. All right. Let's best let for that. That, Let's let that song rip.
0: Pizza secrets. Tell me your secrets.
1: Pizza secrets.
0: <laughs> um, in our final segment, we'll tell fun secrets while eating pizza. Hence the name pizza secrets. Pizza secrets. Now, we know it's terrible podcast etiquette to eat on mic, so we're trying not to trigger anyone's misophonia, including our own. So we'll be eating pizza off mic, but please just know pizza is being eaten. We need you to know that pizza is being eaten. And I just want people to know tonight, no pickles on the pizza because Grace doesn't like that. Yes, that's gross.
1: What constitutes a fun pizza secret, you may ask? I do ask. (laughs) Well, I personally like to think of pizza secrets as those fun little secrets that maybe you've never said out loud to anyone because it feels a little too vulnerable and embarrassing. Or maybe it's a shitty little thing you did as a child or an adult that was mostly
0: harmless. Mostly harmless is key. Please don't tell us that you committed a crime. Yes, we don't want to Uh, be part of it. Please do not confess your murders here.
1: Pizza secrets can be anything you want it to be, really. And that's the beauty of pizza secrets. Pizza secrets! All right, Kristen, why don't you give us a
0: quick little example of a fun pizza secret you've been holding inside your heart? Basically, I have not told anybody this until we started making this podcast. So now I'm just broadcasting it to the world. But fifth grade, remember those like two-hole belts from Aeropostale? I do. Yeah, they're like like, that weird like canvas rope, Mm. really ugly. And then you had to jangle down. Anyway, had one of those because I thought I was stylish. I wasn't. Um, yeah, none of us were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice were a rough time. Yeah, it was. Um and for some reason I had like like this idea that I was going to like ride down this ban staircase banister in my parents' house which is like kind of old and this banister was like made out of like solid wood but like still super old. So I did, but I had the belt on and it like made this huge 2 foot long deep cavernous groove scratch cut out of the banister. And then, <laughs> and I like, basically like fell down the stairs. And then I saw it. I was like, oh, that was not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're like, why did I do that? I can easily walk down the stairs, but. Impulsivity. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> i I'm like, yeah, at the time, it was a great idea. And it always is I, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, so, and I was like, oh, shoot. So I just like left it there, told no one. My dad comes home from work that day. He's like, holy shit, the banister is cracking. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, days for people to notice. Like, of course we noticed immediately. Within minutes. They're like, is it rotting? Do we have to, re-? you know, it was, like, kind of a big deal. They got, like, a guy to make a quote on redoing <laughs> the banister, and it was, like, too much. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and so they ended up, like, just, like, kind of patching, it, because it was so narrow, it was fine, so they patched it and, like, restained, you know, Marty made something up. <laughs> And yeah, it was a big deal. It was kind of still, still a mystery to this day. Except for now, uh, oh Marty. Yeah, hopefully he he doesn't really know how to do podcasts. So it's not nice. Listening. Yeah, and if he is no listening,
1: way. he's turned it off by now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <I've> heard enough.
0: <laughs> I'm trying
1: to be supportive, but I don't know how. I, don't I hear you talk enough as it is? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna listen to you when you're not around. All right, well okay. that is a juicy that pizza is secret. My
0: <laughs> pizza secret. That's a perfect example of what we're looking for yeah. in Pizza Secret. Uh, it's, it's got everything. Why don't you give it a go? Let's see what's here let's hear your pizza secret. All right. Pizza my pizza
1: secret. secret um, so when we were in high school, I would use my friend Max's Planet Fitness membership because she never took a photo of her account and so I could kind of just use it whenever and she would just let me use it for some reason. It's kind of nice. Yeah. It was very nice of her. Membership. And so I repaid her by uh, one time I was in there using it and I went to check in. They were like, oh, we realize we don't have a photo of you for your account. So why don't we just take a photo now? And (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what to do because I couldn't just say I'm not the owner of the account. Yeah, I don't know how you I don't know how I would react in that one. I could have just Nick Miller moonwalked out of there. (laughs) But instead, I just had to just let them take my photo. (laughs) And so they took my photo and put it on Max's account and then she couldn't use her own account anymore because it was a photo of me. <laughs> I think she ended up paying for it for like months and months afterwards. Uh, so it all worked out for me. It in the sounds end. like
0: this is a trend that we keep paying for things months and months after we use things. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that's my little pizza secret was I Have a shitty little thing I did <laughs> to a close friend. Uh, t- <laughs> we love you, Max. Sorry, Max. Yeah. We love you.
0: And that was our first pizza secrets. If you have any pizza secrets of your own that you would like to share with us, please email us at weirdsoffeather at gmail.com. We would love to hear your pizza secrets. Pizza, pizza secrets. secrets. And that is also the end of our first episode. Yay. Yay. It was
1: a long time coming. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I think that's what people say at the end of these, right?
0: Right. Where where else do you listen to podcasts? I don't know. I think that's about it.
1: But just anyway,
0: wherever else if can... there is some weird, you know, form of technology that you listen to your podcasts on. We might be there. We might be there. Who's
1: to say? <laughs> if you would like to join our little flock, you can also follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at Weirds of a Feather. We will be back next week with another episode and we hope that you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Ah, 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 ah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. That's a good one. Pa-pa. Mine's like a blues clues bird. Pa-pa. <laughs>